Well, if you have your Bibles, and I trust that you do, please turn with me and uh, keep that passage open at 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll just be looking at the first two verses this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let's just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this, uh, the Lord's Day. Thank you that we have gathered together as your people to praise and worship you. And so, our Father, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would, through the work of your Spirit, open up our ears, open up our eyes, give us minds that understand your word and hearts that are willing to respond. We thank you for Jesus, and may we see more of him. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. Well, folks, as we uh, begin this morning, I'm sure that you can all think of at least one occasion in your life where you have either felt forgotten, insignificant, or marginalized. Maybe you don't remember the exact details of that situation, but I'm I'm sure you remember that that situation was not pleasant. I want you to listen to the story that I read recently of a Christian family uh, in Bangladesh. Listen to what it says. When Rafiqul and his family left their house in the morning, they never expected their house to be gone by the time they came back in the afternoon. As the only Christian family in their Muslim neighborhood... They've received threats as the neighbors are trying to kick them out of their home and land. And now their house has been burned to ashes. Now we might not experience such persecution here in Invercargill. But nonetheless, Christians are not immune from harassment or, or being marginalized. So how do we make sense of such suffering in our day and age? How do we live as Christians in a hostile world? Well, 1 Peter is written to Christians who are suffering, suffering for following Jesus. And this letter is often referred to as an epistle of hope. Hope for Christians living in a hostile world. And these opening verses, verses 1 and 2 of this letter, give us hope because they they really speak to our identity. So if nothing else, I want you to remember two things this morning. Who you are and to whom you belong. So that's the first point I want to make this morning. Christian, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are God's chosen people. So Peter begins by addressing these Christians as those who are elect. Literally, those who are chosen. This is language used of the Israelites in the Old Testament. But now Peter addresses all Christians, both Jews and Gentiles. Those who are elect, God's special people. Have a look there at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect. Christian, how often do you think of your identity as God's chosen one? 
as God's elect? If you're anything like me, well, then not nearly enough. It's so easy for us to view ourselves through the eyes of culture, that we're weak, that we're insignificant because we're Christians. However, we, we forget who we are in Christ. Maybe you're going through some tough things in your, in your life at, at this moment in time. Maybe life is hard. Maybe you feel alone. Or that God is distant. Or that, or that God doesn't care about what's going on in, in your life. Or maybe even that God doesn't love you. Well, Christian, be encouraged by this truth this morning that you are God's elect, God's chosen one. That is something so amazing. It is something so special. Not only are we God's chosen ones, but Peter says that we are exiles. And again, this is language used of Israel in the Old Testament, of the Jews being dispersed throughout the world. But now Peter is addressing Christians collectively in different parts of the world, and he's calling them exiles. What is Peter saying? Well, Peter is really saying that this world is not our home. We are just exiles. We are just passing through. And so Peter says to the elect exiles of the dispersion. Christian, do you see yourself as an exile, as a, as a stranger in this world? Maybe at this point there needs to be some self-examination. Maybe ask yourself these three questions. Am I comfortable in this life? Living as if this world is all that there is? Am I constantly thinking of advancing God's kingdom values wherever I live so that communities and towns and cities are transformed? Am I learning to love and trust God more when I suffer for Christ? See, if I don't view myself as an exile, well, then I will be comfortable in this life. If I don't view myself as an exile, well, then I won't be constantly thinking about it, advancing God's kingdom values. If I don't see myself as an exile, well, I'm not going to learn to love and trust God more when I suffer for following Christ. So, Christian, remember who you are. You are God's chosen one, but you also are an exile. This world is not your final home. Don't, don't settle for anything less. This world will never satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. And the things that, that God has prepared for you and I are far greater than we can ever, ever begin to imagine. Well, being exiles also doesn't imply that, that we don't care about this physical world. 
think often Christians have been criticized and saying, yeah, you're so heavenly focused that, that you're not of, of any earthly good. You don't care about this physical world. And that shouldn't be true. In fact, the opposite should be true. We should care about this physical world. God has called us to be good stewards of this world. That we care for this world knowing that we are exiles. This world is not our final home. We are only passing through. And so we find this, we find this tension of living as God's chosen exiles. Christians are, are God's chosen people. We have a future home in glory, yet we are living now as exiles in this hostile world. So we are chosen to be out of place. Now, I enjoy the game of cricket. Anyone here enjoy the game of cricket? Yes, there's a, there's a couple of hands, right? Going once, going twice, a few more. Great, great. I, just, I love the game of cricket. But in the modern game of cricket, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, that we don't often see unorthodox fielding positions, right? Normally the field settings are, are quite common and, and quite orthodox, especially not like the one that happened in 1977 when New Zealand played the Aussies in the final test in Auckland. So the Kiwis were nine wickets down. What did the Aussies do? Well, they put nine fielders in the slips. Now, if you know anything about the game of cricket, you've got a bowler, you've got a wicketkeeper, and then you have the slip cordon. Normally, there'll be two or three slips. What did the Aussies do? They put nine slips. And you think, Mike, so, so what happened? Did the final wicket, did, did he get caught in the slips? Well, ironically, no, he didn't. He got caught by the wicketkeeper. But you see, these fielders were chosen to be out of place. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a common fielding position, nine fielders in the slips. It's uncommon. But they had one goal in mind. What was that goal? You've got to get this final wicket, right? One wicket left. We'll do whatever it takes. We've got to get this final wicket. You see, Christians too have been chosen to be out of place. We have been chosen to live in this hostile world. But we have a purpose. We have a goal to live for God's glory and to live for His purposes. And so, Peter has put this truth before us. We are God's chosen people. Elect exiles. But maybe the question comes to mind, how can we be called God's people? How is it possible for those from a Gentile pagan background to be called God's elect? How is this, how is this truth possible that Peter puts before us? Well, that leads me to my second point. Christian, remember whom you belong to. Remember whom you belong to. You belong to God the Father. We are called the elect, the chosen, according to the foreknowledge of the Father. 
to those who are elect exiles. Have a look at verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now this foreknowledge that Peter speaks of is, is not merely foresight. As if God looked into the future and saw those who would believe. No, this, this word foreknowledge has the idea of a personal relational knowledge. It is by this knowledge that God has chosen certain people to be in a relationship with Him. And God has done this before the foundation of the world. Graham read that passage for us earlier, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Listen to what it says. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. How can we be God's chosen? How can we be God's elect? Well, Peter says, it's not by mistake. It's not by chance. No, it is because God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. You belong to God the Father. Not only do you belong to the Father, but you belong to God the Spirit. Peter uses the word sanctification here. And often when we think of sanctification, we, we think of holiness, right? Becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And in theological terms, that is known as progressive sanctification. We, we progress, we become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. However, sanctification also has the sense of being set apart for salvation. And I believe that this is the sense that Peter is using this word over here. This is known as positional sanctification. God, the Spirit, has set believers apart for salvation. It's like, it's like having ten marbles, and we take one marble and we, and we set it aside. It's being set apart. It's, it's, been, it's been taken out, set apart. So the Spirit has, has set believers apart to be holy in a hostile world. To those who are elect exiles, look again there at verse 2b, in the sanctification of the Spirit. So folks, this has huge significance for us when Peter calls us to holy, holy living. When Peter calls us to live holy lives, why? Because we are sanctified, because we are, we are set apart, set apart as holy. And so Peter is really saying, Christian, live according to who you are in Christ. That's what he's saying. You have been set apart by the Holy Spirit. You have been, you've been set apart to live a holy life. Therefore, be holy. The Father has chosen you. The Spirit has set you apart as holy. And because God is holy, live holy lives. In chapter 1, verse 15, Peter says, He who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. So Christian, you can live a holy life. 
Why? Because you have been sanctified by the Spirit. This world is not your home. God has given you all that you need for life and for godliness. 1, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. I'm sure it's a passage that, that you know well. Let me just read it for you. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So Christian, remember whom you belong to. God the Father has chosen you. The Holy Spirit has set you apart, has sanctified you. You belong to the Father, you belong to the Spirit, but you also belong to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In conversion, salvation here is described as obedience to Jesus. As those who submit their lives to God by hearing the good news of the gospel. The sprinkling of, of blood that Peter refers to here refers to the work of Jesus in dying for sinners upon that cross. To those who are elect exiles, in verse 2c, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. I think the Old Testament reference behind this phrase is most likely the one found in Exodus chapter 24, verses 7 to 8. Uh, the people of Israel are speaking here. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses then took the blood, and he threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So together, the obedience of the people and the, the sprinkled blood, well, they demonstrate that these are God's covenant people. That this covenant has been established between God and His people. That they belong to each other. But you see, there, there's a condition here. Under the old covenant, well, Israel had to obey. As we well know, Israel failed to obey the Lord. They did not stay true to the covenant. But you see, Peter is, is showing us something far greater than the old covenant. He's showing us a greater and and a new covenant. And under this new covenant, well, it's obedience to the gospel and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in His sprinkled blood that constitute the forgiven people of God. Chosen by the Father and sanctified by the Spirit. So it doesn't depend upon our obedience and our, how well we do. No, we, we're no longer under the old covenant. 
But under the new covenant, no, Jesus has done it all. It's through His sacrifice that we are brought into this covenant. And, and we remain in this covenant because of Christ. So Christian, be encouraged by God's work of salvation for you. God has chosen you. The Spirit has sanctified you. And Christ has shed His blood for you. We are brought into God's family because of our faith in Christ's obedience. You see, Christ obeyed the law to the fullest without sinning. But even then, we still stood condemned before God. But Christ paid that debt. He laid His life upon that cross so that our sins could be forgiven. So now, under the new covenant, under Christ, when God looks at us, He sees us as being fully obedient. And the debt has been paid. We are forgiven. Isn't that amazing? That's remarkable. And that's, that's the message of the gospel. Christian, let me encourage you this morning that there is nothing that you will face as a stranger in this hostile world that will separate you from God's love and purposes. There's nothing but nothing that will separate you from God's love. Yes, God has chosen you and He has chosen I to be, to be out of place. He's chosen us to be out of place. But it will only be for a short while. It will not be forever. And if we are going to live as God's chosen people in this hostile world, we are in need of God's grace and peace for our everyday lives. That's why Peter ends with these words, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Finally, let me just say, if you're, if you're not a Christian here this morning, well then you're not a part of God's family yet. And in fact, the Scriptures teach that, that you are God's enemy, that you had war with God. You're still under the old covenant. Do you see the picture that, that Peter has put before us this morning? You don't have to be condemned under the old covenant. No, there, there is a new and a greater covenant. There is Christ. So run to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So let me urge you to turn away from your sinful life and believe in Jesus' death upon that cross for the forgiveness of sins through the sprinkling of His blood. Then and only then will you be a part of God's chosen people. So come to Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can for sin atone? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. 
No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, Peter, in this brief introduction, is really setting the stage for for what is going to come later on in the book. As Christians, we will face many sufferings for for following the Lord Jesus Christ. But let us not be discouraged. We can live with hope in this hostile world. How do we do that? Well, I believe Peter has given us the answers. We can live with hope in this hostile world by remembering who you are and by remembering whom you belong to. God has chosen you, the Spirit has sanctified you, and Jesus has shed His blood for you. So let's go from this place, ready to make a difference in the spheres that God has placed us in. And when we suffer as exiles in a hostile world, we can remember who we are and to whom we belong. For this world is not all that there is. The best is yet to come. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Thank you that you have given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. We thank you for this book of 1 Peter. Lord, just these first two opening verses. How they speak to our identity as Christians. That we are your chosen people. And yet we live in this hostile world. Lord, that you have chosen us to be out of place. But Lord, we are your special people. Help us to remember that. Help us not to forget it. Not to be distracted by what the world is saying. Help us to remember that you have chosen us. That the Spirit has sanctified us and set us apart to be holy. And that Christ has shed His blood. That we have been cleansed by Him through His death and resurrection. Lord, we thank You for the cross. We thank You for Christ. May we see more of Him this week. And Lord, may we remember what You have done for us and who we are. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.